Welcome to Enoughness, a show that dives into the deeply personal stories of top business leaders, entrepreneurs, artists, and athletes who share the defining inflection points that help them embrace their life's purpose and answer the question, how much is good enough? I'm your host, Lisa Wang, and some of you may know me as a four-time U.S. national champion gymnast, Hall of Fame inductee, the CEO of SheWorks, a columnist at Forbes, a Wall Street hedge fund analyst, and much more. And the reason I've created this podcast is because despite checking all of these boxes off, enoughness has always been an elusive feeling for me. Enoughness. Have any of these thoughts ever crossed your mind? I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not successful enough, rich enough, experienced enough. So many of us are driven by a deep, paralyzing belief that we are not good enough. We achieve and achieve, and even when we successfully reach our goals, we keep moving the goalpost further and further away, and we soon learn that success and enoughness do not come hand in hand. This mentality is, ironically, especially true for the overachievers, the perfectionists, the people who we think should have no problem feeling like they're good enough. Yet, when fear of failure drives us, rather than owning our successes, each subsequent achievement is yet another proving ground to do more, more, more. Enoughness. The only dictionary definition for this word is the state or condition of being enough, sufficiency, adequacy. But that definition, ironically, is not good enough. So let me tell you my story. Perfection. Something I've worked towards my entire life. As the daughter of immigrants, I understood the high stakes of failure. As a student, I slaved for straight A's. But especially as a national champion gymnast, I mastered the art of perfection. Pointed toes, perfect posture, and always the perfect position. Perfection brought with it prestige, perfect tens, applause, and man, it felt good. I was a shy child, but gymnastics gave me a stage upon which I could make people proud. A platform upon which I could gain approval from judges, coaches, parents, without speaking a single word. I was good at being perfect. I was diligent, agreeable, hardworking, and so long as I kept my eye on the prize, my world was destined for perfection. By 2007, I had earned the title of U.S. National Champion for three years in a row. I had diligently ticked off the achievements from state champion, to regional champion, to national champion, to Pan Am champion, and now here I was, nearly a decade later, at the World Championships. The qualifier for the ultimate prize. The 2008 Beijing Olympic Games. That day, I remember standing on the edge of the mat, prepared to do my final routine. I had done everything correct up to that point, and yet, this time, as the music crescendoed, so too did the volume of expectations in my head. In the middle of my routine, one that I had done a million times, I became hyper-aware of the faces in the crowd and the pressure to achieve a decade-long dream. (laughs) 
I thrived at being perfect. Yet, they say all it takes is a flash of doubt. And that day, doubt determined my fate. Sure, I had been national champion for three years in a row, but when it came time to qualify for my Olympic dream, I stumbled. And on that day, I ended up missing my dream by a mere 0.25 tenths of a point. They say it hurts when your dream falls apart, but there's nothing quite like the pain, the utter unfairness and inadequacy, the regret of unfulfilled potential that you feel when you are so close, you can taste it. If only I had done this, if only I had done that. Suddenly everything I believed about myself completely shattered. I felt like a complete failure, like nothing I had done up to that point had mattered. I wasn't good enough. I hadn't prepared enough. I didn't work hard enough. I was not enough. And that is the insidious nature of perfection. Nothing is ever enough. When I lost the qualification to the Olympic Games, I felt robbed. Robbed of a dream that would never happen, of a future that I would never know. And here's the thing. We're all robbed of something or someone in our lives. And it's up to us to make that critical decision if that is going to shape us or we will shape it. So on that day, I had a decision to make. And I asked myself, do I quit now? Close this chapter of my life forever? I was so tempted. I mean, I didn't want to train for another four years for what felt like something that could be robbed from me again. And yet, when I looked inside, I realized I couldn't quit now. Because I'm not a quitter. And I am most definitely not a loser. So... That same week, I got a letter from Yale University congratulating me on my acceptance. But I told Yale, I'm not coming this year. And instead, I did the hardest thing I knew possible. I flew to the Russian Olympic Training Center in Novogorsk, Russia, with a one-way ticket. This was the most rigorous training center in the world. And I committed myself to becoming the best possible gymnast that I could ever be. While I was there, I trained nine hours a day, six days a week. Waking up at 7 a.m., I would have a small breakfast of stale white bread, butter, maybe a tomato here or there, and some borscht soup. I'd have a quick weigh-in in the morning, train for four hours, have a quick nap, then I'd be back at it for another four to five hours of training. A quick ice bath to sleep and do it all over again, day after day after day. That year, I trained and traveled and competed at World Cup and Grand Prix competitions all across Europe. I became an exponentially better gymnast. And nine months later, I competed at my final competition, the 2008 U.S. National Championships. It was the competition of my life. I ended up winning every single gold medal, plus athlete of the year. And then I said, peace 
I'm out. And I close that chapter of my life firmly, ending it on a my high note on my terms. And I said, I am moving on. Or so I thought. To the outside world, everything seemed great. But one thing I did was that I, when I left gymnastics, did everything in my power to not let people know that I was a gymnast. I never wanted to be that once was, to be that girl who was defined only as the gymnast, and I was adamant that I was not going to let 19 be the peak of my life. So I did everything to try to find that next passion, and I had to prove myself that gymnastics did not define me. Isn't it funny how the things you run away from are often the things that are most important to face? Well, it's been nearly a decade since I retired from gymnastics, and since then, I went off to Yale, check, managed to graduate with honors, check, got a fancy hedge fund job on Wall Street, check, founded a tech company, check, founded another company, check, and I kept feeling this need to prove myself. Without even realizing it, I kept moving the goalpost further and further away. I was filling my bucket with more and more achievements, and I was never satisfied. It was this never-ending rat race. I realized that no matter how much I put into my bucket, I would always be empty. Just last year, I finally faced my demons. Because even when the 2012 and 2016 Olympic Games rolled around, each time I still couldn't watch them. I would feel this slight aching in my heart, and I would shut off the TV immediately. I didn't know why, but it finally dawned on me that no matter how tightly I shut that chapter of my life, that gymnastics chapter of me missing that Olympic Games, of me literally not being enough, that moment in that chapter would always be a part of me. And I couldn't just shove it away. So I finally took the time to come face to face with myself. That moment, a decade ago. I realized that that moment when I hadn't been enough had become a chip on my shoulder driving me all these years to continuously prove to myself that I was, in fact, good enough. Here's the thing. Most people carry around these feelings of inadequacy privately and painfully. Yet, what my simple story shows is that enoughness, or lack thereof, is not really private. It shows up in so many situations, whether consciously or unconsciously. It shows up publicly in the way that we speak, the way that we walk, the way that we hold ourselves, and the way, inevitably, that others perceive us. And all of this is affected by the simple and insidious thought that I am not good enough. So what's the solution? How do you walk into a room and actually feel like you own that room and you are good enough when deep inside you kind of feel like you aren't? I personally have spent the last decade of my life battling with this question. I never understood why, when I walked into the room, that even though I had done all the work, 
that I knew that I was prepared, that I still felt like I wasn't good enough and I couldn't speak up sometimes. And through my exploration and just coming face to face with myself, I've realized that there is one simple solution when it comes to trying to rewire your brain. When you walk into that room where you might not be feeling like you're good enough, the first thing you need to do is remove the focus from yourself. Stop thinking about how are other people going to perceive me? What are they going to say about me? Rather, focus on others. Decide on your duty to the room and ask, why am I here? For what purpose? Am I here to educate others? To inspire? To motivate? When we show up as lesser versions of ourselves, we not only rob ourselves of our voices, we also rob others of the strengths that we could be giving to them. And that is bigger than any shame or insecurity that you might feel. So really, it comes down to a choice. Because in my quest to achieve, I realized that I had focused entirely on external metrics of success on the things that would make other people proud and other people happy. And in the process, I forgot about learning how to simply be proud of myself for my own journey, for just being me. And that is what enoughness is all about. Sometimes people ask me, but Lisa, if you feel like you're good enough, doesn't that make you complacent? To this point, I want to clarify No. Achieving enoughness does not negate achievement. Because for those of us that have the internal drive, striving is a natural instinct. But having the power of enoughness means finding that sense of confidence, of assuredness, that can be present even while you're stepping outside of your comfort zone. We live in this society where We get all of these messages of people telling us to just hustle and kill it and crush it. But that's not what being a leader is all about. It might work in the interim, but being a leader means understanding yourself so that you can become the best version of yourself and make a positive impact on others. The process of achieving enoughness forces us to look inwards for strength to find strength in vulnerability. It forces us to ask the hard questions of ourselves, like, why am I doing what I'm doing? Why am I the way I am? Am I pursuing what I really want? Whose dream am I really living? And for what purpose am I here? These are the questions that true leaders must understand about themselves. Because often the hardest person to face And the hardest person to change is simply yourself. Throughout the course of this podcast, I'll be interviewing some of the most incredible leaders, entrepreneurs, innovators, artists, and athletes. Individuals who have all asked themselves these hard questions and are on a quest to build their empires, to defy status quo, and to change the world one step at a time. While we know of their successes, we rarely hear about the painful decisions, the inflection points, the instances of extreme self-doubt, because even the leaders that we admire most 
have struggled with the question, am I good enough? I believe how you act in your lowest moments defines the course of your trajectory. Often, it truly is the strongest leaders that have emerged from the greatest hardships. In this podcast, I'll be interviewing men, women, young, old, black, white. Enoughness transcends age, race, gender, industry. It's something that we all feel. We can all start to empathize with it. And in this process, learn to empathize with others, no matter what their background is. So I hope that you'll be able to not just hear some incredible stories, but also gain actionable, valuable knowledge that you can use to pursue your own mission in life and get comfortable with enoughness. Just remember that you are not alone on this journey, and anything that you set your mind to achieve is possible. But finding that strength from within is where it all starts. So stay tuned. I can't wait to go on this journey with you together. You'll be able to find this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and for full show notes, go to www.lisawang.co slash podcast. Again, that's lisawang.co slash podcast. I hope you'll subscribe so that we'll be able to bring you more episodes. If you like what you're hearing, please leave a review on the App Store and follow along on my Instagram or Twitter at LisaWorks, L-I-S-A-W-O-R-X. Catch you in the next episode.